Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Hey, everybody. Mark here. And before we jump into today's conversation, I'd just like to say thank you for your constant support and generosity towards the online ministry here at Menlo Church. I get so encouraged every Sunday when I'm hopping on menlo.online.church or YouTube to watch alongside our community there where we're watching the service live stream, sharing prayer requests with each other and engaging with community and encouragement. That has been such a bright spot in my week and always leaves me feeling encouraged. I'm also super grateful for those that have texted in questions and comments for our fill in the blank podcast, as well as our Menlo Midweeks. And this is all made possible by your continuous generosity. So thank you for partnering with the life change that is happening through these podcasts and through this ministry. And to continue to support or to support for the first time, all you have to do is go to menlo.church slash give and designate your gift to the online ministry here. Thank you very much. I'm super encouraged. And now let's get into today's conversation. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everybody. My name is Mark. And my name is Jessica. And we have our new senior pastor. We're still saying new, right? I think this I think, is the last this one. Is the last one. one. Yeah. This is the last time yeah. we can Let's say new. Let's start saying old after this. Okay. We're, our well, new, I, yeah. I feel like because this end of the series, plus we finished the fill in the blanks. That's right. I think you mean to say fill in the U blank? Fill in the, fill U, in the blanks. U blanks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Well, you can tell by his voice. Mm-hmm. Pastor, new old-ish pastor. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> ish. Right. Way to add the fill ish. Bank Way is to, here. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. add that in there. Good to, good to be here, everybody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're recording this on a little bit of an earlier time frame from us, so if our voices sound froggy. 6 a.m., everybody. Okay. This is for you. <laughs> and it's <just> also <laughs> Valentine's Day today. Woo. So happy Valentine's Day to yeah. all those that are celebrating. To those that are not, you can find me at Capello's Barbecue later tonight. <gasps> We're having a guy's night there. Oh, what? But by the time this goes out, yeah. it'll already pass. But we can set up another time. What's Missy doing? She's hanging out with some of her single friends as well. Oh, fun. Yeah, we kind of do that, and then we do our own... Uh, Valentine's Day later. That's awesome. That's fun. I'm it's going fun. to starting point tonight. Otherwise, I'd come to Oh, class. yeah. Oh, nice. Have you been to Capella's yet? Yes, it oh. is so good. Sponsor Unreal. of the podcast, actually. Yes, yes. they are sponsoring today's oh. podcast. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing that you've gotten from them? I think I know yours. Brisket is the answer. Okay. Every other answer is wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was it the brisket tacos? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Unreal. I, Shockingly good. I got like four, like, I went there like five times the first four. Three, I got something different. I was like, these are really, really good. Don't get me wrong. And then the fourth time I got the brisket tacos. And I'm like, I'm never going back. I've had never really good back. brisket. Like really good brisket in my life. And I, we got there. It came uh, highly recommended. And I mean, it was one of those times where just like, was our kids. We, were, we weren't even here, here yet. We were visiting, uh, I think back in November, um, maybe October. And uh, I, we like started eating and I was like, oh, this is all amazing. And then I took a bite of brisket and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is, this is third level of heaven stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was so good. So good. This is so, what heaven will be like. Yeah. Just brisket I, parties. I don't know what I, if I crave the meat more or the, like the pickled sides yeah. more. I, I hate pickles. So that's gross. Well, you do too. I what do the too, heck? Which is kind of weird, but I really, <laughs> I, I think it's dill that I don't like because I oh. like all the other pickled stuff. And we made our, like a homemade tartar sauce the other night for fish tacos, mm. which oh had dill gosh. in it. And I was like, I can't even smell this. So I think that's what it is. Okay. I, I might try to give you some pickles that don't have dill. Do they make those? Well, yeah. Oh, cool. I, I just never I dabbled know. in pickles at all. Never <laughs> <even> <laughs> <know about> pickles. <laughs> 
I don't dabble in pickles. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh. fish tacos is my love language. My shirt yeah. has a heart on it, and it says tacos. Mm, I like there it. You there so, you like it. Get me some fish tacos, and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil, how was teaching your second official sermon? Uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it was fun to be back into the routine and rhythm of teaching a weekend and then doing prep. And, you know, I, I had a whole month of being able to do normal meetings in life and leadership without week to week teaching content being a part of my schedule. And so now having that again mm-hmm. is, it's like a really help as a communicator, it's a really helpful frame for your week. It gives you a lot of clarity about what you need to do. Now, when there are weeks that that gets re- disrupted, like this one, uh, it it puts a lot of pressure on you to figure out how to invent time, which mm-hmm. I have yet to figure <laughs> out. Uh, oh, I was but, hoping you'd be able to tell us yeah, that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was uh, it was great. People were super kind. Um, uh, I had some folks tell me to slow down some more, which I really tried to do actually <laughs> this week. Uh, I think maybe I've mentioned this before in my past life. Um, I don't believe in reincarnation. That's just where I was before Menlo. My, Thank you for clarifying. My, my regular uh, teaching time was between like 37 and 42 minutes. Right. And so getting down to 30 and sort of bulletproof 30 is new for me. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think I'm still adjusting how I do that and um, yeah, how I deliver the best talk at 30 minutes. It's, it's quite a bit different. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think it was, it was fun. And I, I think for folks to be able to pray together at the end of the talk and mm-hmm hopefully together to go, you know what, there are some places in my own life that spiritual formation or practices have become easy to settle into and for sort of the heart of what it means to care about people and believe that people are close to me but far from God, actually still have an opportunity, like God wants to do something in their life. I shouldn't just inculcate myself to Christian culture and consider them a lost cause. And we wouldn't ever say that, but I think sometimes our actions in life does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for those that have missed this series, we're in our warnings in the waiting series. Can you give us a little bit of what you talked about last week and mm-hmm. then how that led into this week as well? I'd also like if you could, if you've seen the graphic, it's got oh, a lighthouse yeah, 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 on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Could you just explain a little bit why we chose that? Yes. I feel picture. like you should explain why we chose that picture. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just feel like you got some, you got some stuff up your sleeve about I it. I was just there taking notes in that meeting, so That's I great. don't remember. That's great. Uh, so the series is called Warnings in the Waiting. Uh, and it's about how the more we anticipate something, sometimes the bigger the blind spots that we have about it are. And so I used some examples, but you can think about some major milestones in your life. Uh, I got a new car a year ago around this time. And I remember all the thoughts that I had heading into it. And then you go take delivery on the car and you're just in this like crazy state of like, I just want the car. Mm-hmm. And all the brain power that you had sort of goes away if you're not careful. And so you have to walk in kind of with a plan. Uh, And it was a Tesla and they're typically not super well known for making cars very well. And so Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful about what you say I'll take. Um, And that happens for us in lots of areas of our Mm -hmm. life. And so I talked about that in regards to our faith. And right now as a church, we may have a lot of expectations about the set, the season that we're walking into. And so the first week I talked about the temptation of wanting um, revival without renewal, where we want everybody around us to believe like us. Um, well, even maybe we are not letting God do work inside of us as people. And so it becomes entirely transactional. And my key principle was something to the effect of a revival without renewal leads to 
compromised faith, where we will eventually sort of water down what it means for us to be a Christian and for someone else to be a Christian, so that we get to a universally acceptable version of faith, which is actually what we're doing right now, like in our culture, through things like the universal Christ, progressive Christianity. Essentially, we're just we're making a culturally compatible version of Christianity that does nothing. It's a it's an America Americanized version of Christianity where Christian ethics are fine as long as they parallel current American social and moral norms, which the Bible would be very surprised to learn as an option. Mm. Um, but that we talked about that week one, and then this last weekend we talked about wanting renewal without revival leads to counterfeit faith, uh, where we end up with sort of a version of our faith that might look like we're the smartest, might look like we are so spiritual, uh, but we have unintentionally kept other people out of the kingdom of heaven. Um, I mean, not theologically speaking, we don't have that power, uh, but through our own pattern of behavior. And so we use the lighthouse picture, uh, and if you look at it, it's kind of split. What a lighthouse is supposed to do is help people. It's supposed to save people. Um, But what would happen if the lighthouse would sort of turn off is the very thing that it was supposed to do, it would create danger for. Like people mm-hmm. would actually run into it and uh, get hurt. And so I think sometimes as Christians, that's actually what they do. Like people will sort of drift into us and they would have no idea that we're Christians until we give them our level of judgment, which the Bible says actually we're not supposed to judge those outside the faith. God's supposed to do that, but uh, we do it anyway. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think just that idea of renewal and revival are linked on purpose Mm -hmm. in the Christian ethic and what it means for me to let Jesus into my life to do work on me should at the same time help me hold the convictions of Jesus and extend the compassion of Jesus to experience revival around me Uh, so that people that don't believe like me, think like me, live like me, um, and I'm not the standard, by the way, uh, because of all of that, I should be able to extend love and compassion to them while still believing that God can do miracles in the lives of other people. So uh, hopefully that's the message that got across over the couple weeks, but that was sort of the polarity of those two things. Yes. And whenever you are, whenever I would imagine as a communicator, you're teaching things like that are seemingly countercultural or presenting things that might butt up against what culture, what society, what Americanism wants us to believe. Did you have to wrestle through anything? Um, Were there things and ideas and thoughts that, that kind of you wanted to focus in a little bit more on others or what was that process like? Yeah, I think that right now together, we're sort of building the foundation, right? We're building some of the substructure of just how we think about and talk about spiritual formation and what revival is. And and so I, I think one of the things I love about Menlo's history and rich tradition and where we are in this moment is I grew up as a child of the 90s, and so when we think about things like uh, sort of evangelicalism in the, like, in quotes version of that word, or we think about things like purity culture, we think about, like, let's go burn all our CDs. I grew up in that era, Mm. and so the sort of spiritual trauma that exists from all of that for Christians that are the giant wave of people that are deconstructing their Mm -hmm. faith, that is my generation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think I have just deep compassion uh, for folks that are maybe stuck around in faith. They're still marking present, but they're not really present. Uh, I have a deep level of compassion, and so I really want to help people understand that orthodoxy was not the problem in their trauma. Um, It was actually orthoproxy. It was the way that it got lived out most of the time. And so how do we 
how do we help people find and follow Jesus in that context? And then in a culture at the same time that really knows nothing of God, like they, the idea of biblical Christian framework is completely foreign. How do we help them? Because what they're thinking is, hey, what do you think about politics? What do you think about human sexuality? Mm. What do you think about this social issue? And I think that Jesus gives us, Christian framework gives us a perspective to bear in that conversation. But if we just jump to it, we immediately lose the conversation. We immediately lose the relationship. So from a stage perspective, I'm trying to build relationship uh, to say, how do we make sure that as we uh, continue to grow and learn about one another and learn about God together, that we can begin to extend the benefit of the doubt, even as we get to some of those more kind of meaty, difficult topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jess, as you're listening to that, I know that we've talked a little bit about <laughs> growing up in that generation as yeah. well. What are your thoughts? I just am like, let's, we're going to do a whole podcast series on deconstruction <laughs> and, and our generation. And <laughs> I just have so many thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. But it's true. It's, I think, you know, I have a lot of friends who have left the faith because of a lot of the hypocrisy you talked about in the sermon. Um, and, you know, looking at a lot of the quote, you know, famous uh, evangelical quote celebrities uh who have been in the spotlight recently for you know doing wrong things um and just how that has impacted people's faith like people have left the faith because of an evangelical leader who has done something wrong right it's like you are and no judgment (laughs) but it's like your your foundation is then also faulty if your focus has been on these leaders instead of on Mm. jesus and who he is and even just the translation of the Bible itself as well, there's so many ways to misinterpret it. There's so many ways to teach it incorrectly, thinking of purity culture. And, you know, it's there's a balance between deconstruction and just trying to understand who Jesus is better. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the gift of Menlo Church, and this is not like, I'm not tooting my own horn, I've been here for five minutes. Uh, but I think the gift of Menlo Church is that most of the time in our culture, this is not just church culture, this is culture culture, but it includes church culture, we do not do messy middle well. Mm -hmm. And so in this conversation, even at a church level, most of the time it's either like fundamentalists without the fun, (laughs) or it's we're abandoning the baby with the bathwater, completely sold out progressive faith, really no convictional aspect of your faith at all anymore. And it's like, pick one. That feels like the option. Mm. Uh, And that's actually not the only option. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of the nuanced, generous orthodoxy that has been a part of Menlo's tradition is such a gift. Mm -hmm. And I think such a breath of fresh air for a lot of people, including myself. And so um, I think making it okay for someone that goes, I have doubts to go, fantastic. Like, we're so glad mm-hmm. that you're here. Mm-hmm. And and there is a version of Christianity. It's actually the version that has endured thousands of years that can withstand your intellectual, personal, spiritual, and emotional rigorous pursuit of it. It will not fall underneath the weight of it. But some of the subcultural protectionistic tendencies of the last 25 or 30 years they will crumble underneath mm. our investigation of it. And so to your point, if my faith was built uh, on top of insert celebrity person, or my faith was built on top of very narrow view of a specific scripture, mm-hmm. and my entire faith was built on that, that's a problem. Right. Now, mm-hmm. we'll talk about this at Easter. <clears throat> Spoiler alert, I talk about it every Easter. The foundation of our faith for 2,000 years 
is not the Bible. The authority of our faith is the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, the foundation of our faith is the event of the resurrection. That's the foundation of our faith. And we know that because the church grew dramatically before the Bible, to Biblia, how we yeah. think about the 66-book library that we call the Bible, mm -hmm. before that ever existed. They had the mm -hmm. Hebrew scriptures, uh, and they had the fact that Jesus came back from the dead. And so I think for us to understand, if that was the foundation in the first century, let's make sure we don't move the goalpost, because I think that's gotten us in trouble before. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for Easter. Yeah. Sounds fun. I hear terms like revival and waiting. And so what about my friend that might be listening to this? That's like, I have no idea what these Christian people are talking about. <laughs> what kind of revival is this? What can I take away from that? What message would you like to send oh, to man. those that are? I, that's such a good question. And it's one of the reasons. Uh, so I do a couple things in the way I teach on purpose. And it flows from a philosophy maybe we've talked about. Maybe we haven't. Um, the like nerdier way to describe it comes from Tim Keller. Uh, he calls it um, making things evangelistically understandable. Uh, there's another framework that I used a lot in Colorado, assume that are in the room. Like just assume that unchurched people are listening mm. to you all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I started both talks by defining renewal and revival for yeah. this exact reason. Yep. And so uh, even simpler than the definitions I gave on the weekends, think about renewal as this sense in which God is calling me to a closer and closer personal connection with him. Mm -hmm. And so that may happen through practices, that may happen through time, um, whatever it looks like in my life, for it to not just be acts of obedience, but actually actually God doing things for Jesus and I to get closer and closer to one another. Um, and then uh, revival is about God really waking up a group of people or even a region out of spiritual indifference and worldliness to an awareness of their sin, a response to the gospel, and the initial stages of faith. And, um, you know, like we're all kind of right now in Christian world freaking out about what's happening in Asbury, because who knows, like there's this thing that's been going on for a long time where people are worshiping and people are talking about healings. And, you know, I, I would say there is a healthy level of skepticism we should bring to those things, because while we want all that, we are not there. Mm -hmm. um, and so we should continue to pray that God would do something like that. He's going to do it his way, not our way. Mm. Um, but I think it's so incredibly <clears throat> unique that uh, we are in a cultural moment where we are watching uh, post-Christian culture exist on one end, and we just watched uh, a Super Bowl ad that regardless of what you think about a specific organization, was a very good ad. Like it was it was pretty emotionally charged. Jesus mm -hmm. didn't love, or Jesus loved his enemies. He didn't hate them. Um, we just watched that at a national scale take place. This thing's happened to get a school over here. We have these little interesting kind of snippets where I feel like God's kind of going, still here, still mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how we think about that and how we see God show up, again, I think revival is not something um, that we do, right? I grew up in a context where we did revivals. They were, they were a regular part of our, our experience. And so you got together and you were in a tent or you were in a, a small room in the church, which is ironic given that it was supposed to be a revival and somebody preached at a group of Christians for a long time. That, that's not a revival. A revival is actually a descriptor of God doing the thing that I just talked mm. about. So um, if you're somebody listening to this and you're not a Christian, I would say, wow, thank you. That's amazing. I, <laughs> you've, you've gotten mm -hmm. pretty deep into the subculture of Christianity to be listening to this podcast, but so glad you're here. And my heart would be that you would know more than anything else, 
uh, that you are created in the image of God with infinite dignity, value, and worth. And no matter what you've done or where you've been, you have not done too much or gone too far for God to stop loving you. He'll never stop loving you. And as an act of showing that love, he sent his only son to live a life you couldn't, to die on your behalf and to come back from the grave so that any time you can choose to become a follower of him and experience an abundant life, not easier, but an abundant life with him that you were always made to have and an eternal life in community with him and others. And so I, I think like, I know for now that may just feel like a bunch of words, mm. but my prayer is always like, I'm, I don't have a new way of saying that. <laughs> There's every Christian that's been like, I've got a way that'll be more acceptable. Um, they end up communicating that, some, that something that isn't in the Bible. I believe that the work that God needs to do in your life, if you're not a Christian, he needs to do. And so I'm regularly praying for non-Christians in my life that God would regenerate is the theological word, uh, that God would wake you up uh, to understanding your need for something greater. I would be where you are if the life circumstances that have happened to you had happened to me. The only reason that I know Jesus is because of the grace of God. And so mm. I'm praying that in your life too. Mm. What a time we live in that we get to share the gospel through microphones <laughs> into a podcast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. What's, a... what's really fun is when people during COVID would reach out from other parts of the world mm. and they had like heard the gospel or connected with church and the opportunity for people to connect with church, even in parts of the world that was really difficult before, mm -hmm. just because of the sheer volume mm -hmm. of Christian content that we found a way to get on the internet, it was stunning. Absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Really, really yeah. fun. It was. Did you see that Super Bowl commercial, Jess? I actually didn't. So it was, it was driving basically home from just vacation. Um, a montage of divisive, seemingly divisive photos, um, marches. Yeah, yeah. Um, two groups of people that clearly were having conflict. And then at the end, it just basically said, like, Jesus loved his enemies. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was like 30 seconds of, I, was it silent too? No, no, there was a, there was was a there track music? run to okay. it. Okay. And it was, uh, the thing that they did that was really important, I think, for it is they didn't pick sides. Yes. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like protester on one side, law enforcement on the other side, but like clearly one of them is the protagonist. Like mm -hmm. it was just this, thing that felt heavier and heavier and you were like what are we watching and it was right like now? a snapshot of moments that were yeah like you said heavy or just scarring or and what all contextualized like the last year or, mm. or two years or so and then it just had a website and i was at a super bowl party with a lot of friends that do not currently attend church maybe they do i don't know um and they were just like, oh, it's another Jesus commercial. And then someone pulled it up on their phone and was just mm -hmm. like, oh, I really appreciate like this website because they're not, the first thing it's like, it said was, I, are we trying to get you to go to church? No. Do we want your money? No. Mm. And that they were like, oh, this buried it. Like, yeah. okay, that was something that kind of piqued their attention. I'm not sure if there's anything that went after that, but mm. right. this was the track. Ready? Mm -hmm. Oh. And it had lyrics too, right? Mm-hmm. We can't get pulled down for this. This is all you. <laughs> We're good, right? Yeah, that's just me doing that with my mouth. <laughs> but it is, I mean, yeah. That's good. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. I, was, I was very skeptical about it, like walking into, I hadn't seen it or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, who knows what God will do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They spent a ton of money. We can talk about whether or not that money should be or could be used for something different, but it wasn't my money. So I, yeah. I didn't, they didn't ask for my, they didn't ask for my take on it. Hmm. But yeah, I think trying to find a way to break through. And um, I think they said something, the organization that put it on said something of like, hey, we want to rebrand Jesus in America. And I think uh, 
it's important to draw a distinction. Like Jesus himself does not eat a rebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even entirely sure Jesus in America does. Uh, church in America definitely mm-hmm. does. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, I think being a place, again, that doesn't say you either abandon all belief and just come everybody, it's totally fine. And we essentially just become uh, Americanity. I did a series on that a couple of years ago uh, where everything submits to the American ethic or uh, we are fundamentalists without the fun and we're just going to beat you over the head with stuff. There is a third option. Mm. So Nice. And when you're talking earlier about defining revival and you, you mentioned a closeness to God and trying to be closer to God. What does that mean? What does that look like? How can we live that out this week? Yeah, I think the, the word that we use as Christians, um, because it's the word that we read in the Bible, is the word abide. And so when we uh, go to John 15, when we find that text, um, it talks about the power of what happens when we abide. And I think as Christians, sometimes the metaphor I'll use sometimes is um, we think about ourselves like batteries. And so we go, God, I'm coming on a weekend, right? And so I'm here for this hour. I logged on. I'm, I'm watching while I'm making coffee and doing something else for an hour. And I just need you to charge me up for the week that's ahead. <clears throat> and um, uh, I, I've talked to friends of mine that grew up in predominantly uh, black churches, and they would say actually their experience wasn't so much charging, but they would say uh, our context culturally was we are sort of so tired from the week before that actually. Uh, church for us kind of became recovery. Like it became mm. this, mm. I'm emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And so he's like, the reason that you see worship experience be so different culturally is because that's part of what we're bringing to it. But I think either way, it has this idea of like, I am a battery that is either depleted or needing to be charged or whatever to get through the week ahead. And then if you're a superstar Christian, uh, then maybe you uh, open your Bible every day and you pray. Um, and so you're like, oh, I'm getting charged every day. Or if you're like a super, super charged Christian, you listen to the Menlo Midweek podcast yep. um, and you go, oh, I'm going to be so charged up for today. But the principle that we see in John 15 and texts like it, in this idea of abiding, or really if we were going to translate it into words that we would understand more, could be uh, remain with, uh, the principle of it is that there are no cordless Christians, that actually we do not have batteries on purpose. Uh, that we're supposed to be plugged into Jesus all the time. And if you just go read John 15, it talks about this idea that when I don't abide, when I'm not plugged in, anytime I try to be the cordless Christian, I don't actually do anything. It doesn't say your work will be less effective. It says you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think the, the principle of that is, how do I, as a follower of Jesus, make my life closer and closer connected to Jesus. And I think that, that all of a sudden, um, the theological world is sanctification. All of a sudden, the process of our sanctification, you realize like, oh, this is a lifelong pursuit. And uh, I remember listening to kind of a spiritual giant of the faith, somebody that lots of people would know, and uh, he was being interviewed. And the, the person in the interview said, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, should we have prayed before we started talking? And the person that was there said, oh, actually, I have been praying for you this entire mm-hmm. time. And it was just, for, for him, it was the operating system of his life. He was doing yeah. it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that and be like, oh, I think that's probably, I think that's probably closer. You know? And it's not, <laughs> mm-hmm. how do we conjure that up? How do we externalize and behave our way into that? It's, Jesus, I, I want 
I want you to genuinely be like the air that I breathe. How do I walk closer mm-hmm. and closer to you every day mm-hmm. away from cordless Christianity? So mm-hmm. that'd be a good, that'd be a good certain serious title, actually, cordless Christianity. I like think it. about that. Yeah. One. Um, so yeah, I think that's when we say, what does it mean to get closer to Jesus? I think it means to stay plugged in and connected. And that's why we talk about spiritual practices and rhythms. Um, but I think it's also even in the kind of normal everyday experience of our life, understanding that Jesus is with us and everybody has places that they're really good at that. And I think we have places that we're not so good at that. I am not good at silence. Uh, and so I will often, I don't like that you laughed at that. Justin. Oh no. Cause it's me too. Oh, we talked about this before. I receive it. Um, <laughs> but I, I will often be listening to a podcast, listening to a sermon, listening to a document, like I, I'm listening to a book, mm-hmm. uh, in kind of any experience of life. And so even this morning, uh, I was walking to work because I live pretty close and uh, I was listening to a sermon and uh, I just felt like the Lord said, stop. Mm. And so I like paused it and then for the next 10 minutes or whatever I was walking, I was just like, all right, Lord, what do you have for me? Mm. And that is very uncomfortable for me, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I think sometimes it's leaning into the things that don't come naturally. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a Bible study person, you're like, this is what I do all the time. What would it look like for you to spend a day uh, where you didn't make the primary focus of your time with Jesus, Bible study. Yeah. Um, because I think he can show up in a number of different ways. And if you're not sure, Menlo is amazing at this. We do a lot of spiritual rhythm stuff and practices. Um, but if you're looking for a book around this, kind of one of the like mainstays uh, Richard Foster wrote about the celebration of disciplines. Um, but just giving ideas, we will start in our new series, uh, giving folks a chance to think around Lent around fasting, whether you're fasting food or you're fasting something else in your life. And we'll talk more about why this weekend. I was actually going to ask, normally uh, the last year or so we come up, we have a a page uh, on our website that goes along with the series and we have resources, but we didn't do that because it was just the two-week series for this. So I was going to ask if there's anything you recommend, anything else besides Celebration of Discipline maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think that... the uh, I, I quoted him several times. So there's two authors that I think have written very well at the tension on the tension level that I talked about. John Mark Comer in a book "Live No Lies." I think I mentioned it mm-hmm. last week. Is mm-hmm. a really excellent one. Um, and then I want to make sure that I get the title right. So you ever have that time where your phone you're like, "This is the time I need you to work phone," mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. You can put <laughs> oh, it in the oh, show yeah. notes. We got it. We got it. Oh, nice. We got it. It was great. It was so good. <laughs> Uh, but the other one, the other book that I'm thinking of is written by uh, John Tyson, mm-hmm. who is a pastor in New York City, uh, which is uh, is sort of a misnomer because he has an accent. So anytime I tell people that he's in New York City, I want to be like, mm. yeah, but he's not like Rich Velotis because uh, <laughs> he doesn't he, he doesn't have a New York accent. <laughs> um, anyway, he wrote a book called Beautiful Resistance, The Joy of Conviction in a Culture of Compromise. Uh, so if you're looking for just what could I read, what would what would next steps look like for me? Uh, I think both of those are really excellent. And if you're an uh, auditory learner, both of them have great audiobooks. I listen to most books first before I read them because mm-hmm. uh, I have severe dyslexia. And then uh, John Mark Comer also did a podcast series uh, on Live No Lies uh, that mm-hmm. was like with a bunch of experts. It wasn't just him talking. It was like on this subject. I brought in a subject field expert that oh, feels cool. thoughtful and nuanced. So is that that podcast is called Live No Lies? Yep. Cool. Yep. Awesome. And I like how I think it's really important that you made the distinction of you 
even though you're doing something that would be seemingly like a holy thing to do, Correct. which would listen to a sermon on your way to work, still having the discipline to do something uncomfortable, which would be not listen to a sermon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which yeah. For, for a lot of people, like that's a, a hard thing to do. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. we, we live in a culture, you take the culture of America and then you take the culture of Christianity. And what it often does is it takes a consumer culture and it just directs it to a specific content. Right, mm -hmm. so now we're consuming Christian content. Correct. Mm. Um, but it should really scare us. It scares me mm -hmm. that the Pharisees thought they were really close to God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they looked way more religious than all of us. Mm -hmm. And so we spent some time this last weekend in the woes section uh, that Jesus talks to the Pharisees about in the book of Matthew. And he goes on to give five more than we looked at. We looked at two, but there were five more. And if you've never studied that section of scripture, um, it is very damning personally to go look at that if you've been a Christian for a while and go, whoa, like, hold on, am I doing these things for the sake of being seen? Yeah. Um, or am I doing these things for the sake of knowing Jesus? And, and some of the things that even they did, Jesus reoriented their faith framework, especially around things like generosity, where we would go, actually, um, whether we're talking about prayer, or we're talking about giving, like, how do you do these things in a way that you do not receive social benefit for mm. uh how do you do these things in a way that it's not oh look people will see how awesome i am and credit me as being awesome mm -hmm. part of the humility of walking with jesus is how do i do some of these things in a way uh that no one sees on purpose mm. and it's only me and jesus and so uh you know for some people that's a prayer closet for some people that's how they study the text for i, I think it's a great move that Lots of people give online, like it's between you and the Lord and the mm. internet, like no one else knows. Uh, I think that that's probably far more connected than like, look at me kind of stuff as Definitely. the abuses we see in yeah. the New Testament. Yeah, that's so good. I know that's something I, I struggle with. Uh, it's just like, not so much doing, maybe maybe I need to dig more into this, but not so much doing the thing for the praise, but then after it's done, knowing I did actually a good job and being proud of myself, right. but then not feeling like I received the recognition that I deserve is something I like have been trying to work on. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's rough, but it's mm -hmm. I just keep trying to remind myself of like, you did not do this for the praise. You did not do this for the people. You did this for Jesus and the way that he can move in our services and our christmas and our easter and all that stuff so mm -hmm. if you're struggling you're not alone out there <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think being able to have this the quiet and stillness enough in your life for jesus to be able to say i love you for who you are not what mm -hmm. you do and thank you yeah because i think both of those things are true yeah we, you know we think about the as a parent with four kids i think about that with my kids all the time i want to make sure that they know that i'm proud of them uh, really for who they are. Mm -hmm. Their actions and behaviors are a manifestation of who they are. Um, but complementing what they do is still important, but not letting high performers like our daughter go like, hey, I, I don't want you to think that because you did that task, because you showed up that way, because you were helpful, mm -hmm. that's why I love you. I love you because of who you are. And I think, you know, if if we know how to give good gifts to our kids and we are evil, how much more does our heavenly father Amen. know how to give good gifts to yeah. those he loves? And he loves mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. uh, but how often are, is God trying to, uh, to remind us, trying to extend love to us, trying to be present with us? And we're like, I'm really busy listening to a podcast about someone telling me about how you love me. And he's like, <laughs> that was my experience this morning. That's that was, so interesting. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> 
All right. Well, this weekend is the kickoff of our Lent series. So I'm sure we'll talk about Lent a little bit more in detail next week. But 30 seconds, Phil, why should someone come on Sunday? It's the kickoff of our journey towards the cross. Yeah, yeah. So So. uh, Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, if you don't know that. It means springtime, Lenten season. So if you're like, where did we get that word from? That's where we got it from. But basically, it's an opportunity for the church to prepare and anticipate which is weird because in a culture now, we don't really do that. So the two times of the church calendar that lead us into this, one is called the Advent series Mm -hmm. or Advent season where we prepare for Christmas. And one is the Lenten season where we prepare for Easter. And it's all this spiritual practice that uh, Christians have been doing for thousands of years to prepare for these really unique seasons. And so we will be doing that by looking at the last words of Jesus in his earthly ministry this weekend, actually, we're going to look at some of his first words to start the series and introduce the concept. Um, but we'll be giving folks an opportunity through uh, devotional guides that you can find online or at a campus this weekend. Uh, we'll be doing that through um, trying out fasting together as a spiritual practice um, together over the course of the series, mm-hmm. and then doing that study in hopes that maybe Easter for you has always kind of snuck up on you. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that can happen for me. Um, but then for us to go, oh, it didn't sneak up on me. I was actually preparing my heart. Our family was being prepared mm-hmm. uh, to be able to celebrate Easter in a really special and new way this year. That's our hope. Yeah. Yes. If you go to menlo.church slash Lent, all of that information will be up there. Mm-hmm. And for our, specifically for you, our online friends, we are doing a round of Menlo Meditation Woo! podcast as well. And I'm pretty excited because we're getting some familiar speakers, but also some new voices Ooh. on the podcast as well. That lives on a different channel than this. So just go and search Menlo Meditations. You can see all of our Advent um, podcasts that we just wrapped up. And so we'll be doing this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from now until Easter. So Does that start next week? Starts next week. February 20th. February 20th. Ooh, so fun. Yes. So very excited. Phil, thanks so much. Of course. Thank you guys. We'll talk to you soon. And have a great week, everybody. If you need anything, text us, 650-600-0402. Happy weekend? Almost Lent Valentine's party. Have a great day, everyone. (laughs) Have a great day. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays, and this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.